the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon and greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Friday, December 1st edition of The Ride Home. December 1st. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a little tough. It's a little tough. However, again, um, we've been told by those weather experts to expect another mild winter. Well, considering it's like 50 degrees today. And you look ahead for the you know next week or two, mm-hmm. it's pretty the, much the same. Yeah, I know. The highs are in the 40s, but it's not like the highs are in the teens. Right. But winter is truly upon us, right? You know, there's no denying it. When you turn the calendar page and it says December 1st, I mean... I'd appreciate a nice snowfall, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, around before Christmas, I would appreciate one. Before Christmas, yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if it was like December twenty fourth? The Christmas would come. Yeah, but remember last year when we had that huge? It was like sub zero and yeah. an ice storm and everything. Yeah, it wrecked my garden for the whole summer. It did, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, the frost. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That frost killed it. Well. Um, anyway, is it too early for me to tell you? Tell us what your weekend has begun. Oh, fabulous. Thank you, sir. Here it is. It's just a few minutes past the 4 o'clock hour. And at least in this corner of the world, all is right and well. And we are mm-hmm. happy that you are with us today for the Friday edition. We got oh, a good it's going to be a you. good edition. Mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. 5 o'clock hour, we have the Week in Review, John. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was everyone talking about? What did you eat? Mm-hmm. What did you watch? What did you like? All those things. Also, um, our good friend, Dr. Richard Mao. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Emeritus of Fuller Theological Seminary always brings um, some depth of insight. Such an incredible person in the history of American evangelicalism. It's kind of funny what you read on on social media because Richard, uh, he's Mm 80-ish, but he posted on Facebook this week that um, he was reminiscing about playing the tuba in the Thanksgiving parade. I never knew. I did not either. I'm going to ask him about it today. Mm -hmm. The tuba. We're so privileged to have Richard as a friend. Yes, he's excellent. Mm -hmm. We really are. It's coming up at 510. Um, also, the best Christmas mu- movies, according to new polls. Mm-hmm. I'll give you my little contribution there. Do you watch the same ones every year? Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. not really interested in finding new ones. That's okay. That's fine. Because it's not a lot of good ones. Yeah. And I've never seen one thing on the Hallmark Channel. Never in my whole life. I raise my hand to say. Really? No. Lex, you, have you seen anything in the Hallmark Channel? The Hallmark Channel? She, she's busy right now. Okay, she's, she can't talk about something important. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and also, at 425, this or that. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I mean, just a smattering of, what of things expect. that are coming on today. Tim Muehlhoff will be with us. How would you expect, how would you like, John, two professional, noted Christians to treat each other in public? Are you asking that me personally? I just want you to think about that okay, good, because yeah. that's what we're going to talk to Tim about in just Very a little nice. bit. All right. Good. Then without further ado, uh, as the world continues to revolve, Kath, please give us the top four at four. For Friday, December 1st, 2023, mm-hmm. number one. 
The seven-day pause in fighting between Israel and Hamas is over. Each side blaming the other. Israel says Hamas violated the operational pause and fired toward Israeli territory, while Hamas says talks to extend the pause were thwarted by the Israelis. Israel published a numbered map, though, John, listen to this, that divided the Gaza Strip into several zones and said residents would be told which zones to evacuate. Really? So now we're playing bingo. The first time the Israeli military said it has used such a map. Leaflets were also dropped Friday on Khan Yunus, declaring the area a dangerous combat zone and directing residents to move further south to Rafah near the Egyptian border. Pray for peace. More from that, ABC News. All right, very nice. Number two, Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman appointed to the Supreme Court and its most powerful justice for much of her tenure there, died today at 93. She retired in 2006 after 25 years on the court. She died in Phoenix of complications related to advanced dementia and respiratory illness. In reading about her today, John, it was just absolutely fascinating to me. You know, 81 was the year that uh, Ronald Reagan fulfilled his campaign pledge saying that he wanted to nominate a woman. Um, And right after that, after she became Supreme Court Justice, then there were a lot of women firsts. Sally Ride came right after that. Geraldine Ferraro Mm -hmm. came right after that. Um, She was on the court, uh, Justice O'Connor was, for 24 four years. Um, she was an exemplary student. Did you know that she got into Stanford when she was 16? Whoa. That's a big brain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's hard to overstate her power and influence in the years on the bench. And here's another thing to remember. She was confirmed unanimously Get out by of the here. Senate. Would never happen. That'll never happen again. Nope. Will we ever see that again? Nope. I don't think so. Uh, she uh, transcended partisanship and ideology, um, and that was proven when Democratic President Barack Obama awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom. God How about bless that? Wall Street Journal. Number three. The House voted today to no one's surprise to expel and battled Republican Representative George Santos from Congress. I know. Can you believe it? It was their third attempt to oust him since May. They voted 311 to 114, including 105 Republicans who voted for it. Uh, Dozens of Santos's colleagues were apparently swayed by a damning report from the House Ethics Committee released a couple weeks ago that found there was substantial evidence he brazenly embellished his biography to win his seat in Congress. He didn't brazenly embellish. It's a whole... Just a whole fib. He also faces nearly two dozen federal charges related to alleged fraud and illegal use of campaign funds. May we never hear his name again. Exactly. First to be expelled in more than 20 years. (laughs) And number four, an incredible story, John. Last January, sheriff's deputies in Mulberry, which is a town in Tampa, Florida, replied to an emergency call reporting a newborn baby found on the side of the road. According to the sheriff's office, the baby was just an hour old at the time still had her placenta attached. Mm. She was wrapped in a blanket found after a nearby resident heard her crying. She was taken to a nearby hospital where she was found to be healthy and stable, authorities said at the time, and then taken into the custody of the Florida Department of Children and Families while authorities searched for her mother who was never found. And that is your top four at four. (laughs) Wait, is there a follow-up here? 
Is there, just, this is it? That's the story? <laughs> I, just, I, had to, I had to end it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, okay. On Wednesday, yeah. 10 months and one day after her birth, the baby was formally adopted. A gotcha day celebrated in a post on Facebook by the Polk County Sheriff's Office, which showed the little twink, adorable as anything, dressed in a pink dress and pink shoes with her hair done in pigtails for her adoption day. What's her name? Quote, a happy ending that leads to a happy beginning, the sheriff's office said no name was released. Oh, my gosh. She is cute as you should see. She's a total chunk. That's fabulous. She's a complete chunk. Absolutely adorable. It's got a good ending, but who needs a baby on the side of the road? Her mom and dad look absolutely thrilled. Of course. Fabulous. That's excellent. Yeah, read more about that in today's ABC News. Very nice. Okay, that's a good uh, one, two, three, four news story. Let's take a quick break. When we do come back, Tim Uhlhoff is with us. How do you want Christians to treat each other in public? That's straight ahead. It's the Friday edition of The Ride Home. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk here on Word FM. From time to time, or maybe even more so, you see Christians treat each other poorly. And you wonder, well, if we're treating each other poorly, then how are we treating the rest of the world? How do we want to treat each other in public or in private? Dr. Tim Uhlhoff is back with us. He's professor of communications at Biola University, the author of Winsome Conviction, Disagreeing Without Dividing the Church, which is winner of the Award of Merit in Christianity Today's Best Books of 2022. But Tim Uhlhoff, a regular guest on our show and hotly anticipated every appearance. Tim, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Hot, hotly anticipated. Hotly. I like that. Kid me, we're sitting here all sweaty. <laughs> okay. Speaking of hotly anticipated, um, you call us up, Tim, John, and I, and you say, "Hey, we're going to go to uh, a thing tonight. I've got three tickets, and we're going to hear two prominent Christian theologians." who the three of us have heard of, and we're going to hear what they have to say. Now, I'm making up this story, but I'm going to make it up for the point of having the conversation. So the three of us are on our way in the same car, and we're going to hear these two prominent Christian theologians have a debate or something in public where they're going to talk about their differences. What are the things that the three of us expect out of how they'll treat each other? John, I'll ask you first. Civility. Honesty, okay. mutual respect, kindness, a peaceful attitude, and an exchange of ideas. Wow, that was a lot. What? Okay. <laughs> Tim, what do you expect? Um, I would say intellectual humility, mm-hmm. that I'm coming to this uh, maybe expecting to learn something mm-hmm. from the other person. Um, I'm going to have a soft startup. I'm not going to jump in coming in hot. But I'm going to try to create an atmosphere where we can actually have a dialogue, a give-and-take dialogue. Okay. The first thing I would say is intellect. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm expecting mm-hmm. the two people we're going to see know what they're talking about. Are engaged, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Tim, um, what, do, what do our three responses tell you? Well, it tells us that we can be... Though I'm not always certain we are, be a difference to today's argument culture, right? I mean, if we were to describe the argument culture today, hey, by the way, let's do that real quick. John, describe today's argument culture. Give me three descriptions, mm-hmm. and then we'll do Kathy, and then we'll do a, a Georgetown linguist. Three descriptions of today's argument culture cesspool, <laughs> self serving, uh, 
ego. Mm-hmm. I say I say prejudicial. I say mm. uninformed. And I say uh I don't know what the word is, but it's like mic drop. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's yeah. what everyone's looking toward. Yeah. How about you, Tim? Well, so the argument culture was a term coined by Deborah Cannon, a Georgetown linguist, almost 25 years ago. And she here's a couple quotes from her. The argument culture urges us to approach the world and the people in it in an adversarial frame of mind. When you're having an argument with someone, your goal is not to listen and understand. Instead, you use every tactic you can think of, including distorting what your opponent just said in order to win an argument. Hmm. So here's the interesting thing about the argument culture. It almost gives us an inverse roadmap of how Christians should talk to each other, right? We just look at the argument culture and we think, do we want to be different than what people are hearing 24-7 on social media or the national news? And can we do the opposite of that? And I, I think... Uh, many people would say, sadly, that Christians are not fundamentally different in how we use social media and how we call each other out, how we attack each other often in public. And I think a young generation of evangelicals is sick of it. And uh, by the year 2050, it's estimated that 40 million young evangelicals will have already left the faith. Hmm. Because of... In partly yeah. because of that response, because we are the same as the culture that we espouse that we are not part of. Yeah. And so here's the thing, John. You're asking me to believe really difficult things to be a Christian. Yes. Uh, when it comes to the problem of evil, you're asking me to adopt some difficult social positions, let's say with gay marriage or uh, sexuality. And, and I'm willing to do that if this thing is authentic, if Christians are authentic. Mm. Yeah. But when I see how you're treating each other, uh, I don't see anything authentic. So I had a friend of mine, I won't use her name, uh, she left the faith. And uh, me and my friend uh, sat with her for two and a half hours, and she had some intellectual questions about the problem of evil. But she basically said, listen, if Jesus said you'll know we're Christians by our love towards each other, then we have objectively failed. Right. And uh, sadly, she has left the faith. Hmm. So we, we just need to do a better job. And this is where I think communication theorists are so important today who study communication to offer us practical tools. So let me, let me give you two tools and tell me what you think about these different tools. Uh, John Gottman is probably the, the best relational expert alive today. He's one of the top researchers. And he says the first 30 seconds will set the tone for the entire conversation. So what I'd want to see out of those two theologians uh, when we're going to go hear them debate is the first 30 seconds, how do they refer to each other? Is it with respect or scorn? Is it with this triumphant position or I'm here to learn? And that first 30 seconds sets the tone uh, for the entire engagement. Boy, that's a good reminder 
as we're heading into the Christmas season. Yeah. And we're about to have conversations around the Christmas table. Is how you start that conversation is how it's going to end. All right. The first 30 seconds of how we engage either the stranger or those we love. Tim, uh, but to go back to your friend. I mean, it's a heartbreaking thing, of course, and you, you spent obviously considerable time with her. But, you know, it, it's the culture. I don't understand why you would step away because I mean, the culture may be doing this or Christians within the culture. But if you would go into a an ancient monastery, right, I mean, people are still people regardless I don't want to step away from Jesus and his love, even though people who follow him are, you know, at our core wretched. So I, I, I don't think she's expecting Christians not to have disagreement or to have conflict. In, in communication theory, we actually talk about the inevitability of conflict, that if you're going to have relationships with a person, you're going to have conflict. Yeah. I think she's seeing how we absolutely attack each other on social media. So right now, let me just say, there's a very well-known Christian um, expert speaker who has a massive platform who disagrees with another Christian intellect who also has a platform, and she is going around the country saying he's not only wrong in his perspective, he's in sin. And he's bringing Aiken into the camp, which means he's bringing liberalism and compromise into the camp. Well, I actually know the person who's being attacked. Mm -hmm. So I called him and I said, hey, has this person ever reached out to you? And he said, no. Hmm. Uh, In fact, I've invited her on my podcast and I, I get no reaction. So is that the, is that the standard we want to set? No. Right? That drives me absolutely crazy, Tim. I can't stand this um, eagerness to rip people down in public without any possible contention of trying to reach the person personally. I I can't believe people do that. Well, and they do it publicly, Kathy. That's what's so damning is this is happening uh, publicly. So when we work the Winsome Conviction Project, that I'm the co-director. We work with churches and organizations. And I can honestly say to your listeners, social media has never made it better. It's always made it worse. Mm-hmm. The, the way we treat social media is just like everybody else. And so I think the younger generation shakes their head and says, you're asking me to take a social stance on gay marriage. You're asking me to be... X, Y, and Z, but I'm not seeing the love of God in this community and how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in a, I was in a meeting, and uh, one Christian was speaking, and every time he said something, there was a woman behind me, and I could hear her whisper, "Liar, oh, liar," gosh. and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" I wanted to turn around and say, "Are you kidding me?" So, so here, here's what we get that with. This is the counter people will say to me. Okay, let's say the Christian is in sin. Like, like what, they're, what they're arguing for is flat out sin, and you have to confront them. Well, Paul gives a roadmap for that. Right. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, he says, If a brother is in sin, you who are spiritual— Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, 
And that's the second thing I'd want to see with those theologians. You can disagree with each other, Paul says, but I want you to speak truth and love. And I think when Deborah Tannen saying we're in the argument culture, it's not that we don't have truth anymore. It's just that we've lost love. Albert uh, Brooke from uh, Harvard says America doesn't have an anger problem. We have a contempt problem, hmm. which means I, I don't care if the, if the marriage goes on. I don't care if you leave my church. I think we'd be better off without you at this church. Right. That's contempt, not anger. Right. And that, and you mentioned earlier that the first 30 seconds yeah. determines the conversation. And who did you cite? Oh, that's John Gottman. Okay. So thank uh, you to John uh, Gottman. Uh, Merido, yeah. yeah, because yep. I'm sure that's true. So John Gottman says that the first yeah. 30 seconds determine the conversation. That's the problem with social media is that you yeah. never get longer than that. Yep. So, so maybe we were not on social media. Yeah as much as we need to be. I agree. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the poison. Yep. Remember Marshall McLuhan, a Canadian scholar? Sure, sure. He said the medium is the message. Right. So if we tackle something via Twitter, and I'm not, I'm not against Twitter. I'm actually on twi- Twitter. But knowing I have, I mean, how many characters? What did, uh, what did it just get up to? 300 plus, somewhere in the yeah. point, right? So I just don't tackle certain issues. So when I do radio interviews, and you guys are so great not to do this, but honestly, at the end of an interview, they'll say things like, okay, 30 seconds left, gay marriage. What do you think? <laughs> oh, my God. And I go, I go, pass. Yeah, that's so pass. smart. That's so smart. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, and, and I got in trouble the first time I did it. The guy was like, what, really? The Bible doesn't have anything to say about gay marriage, is what he said to me. And I said, no, the problem is it has a ton to say about gay marriage. And I can't summarize, nor am I going to offend a whole community because I'm giving the Reader's Digest answer. Right. The hot take. The hot, the quick take, quick mm-hmm. take. That's so smart. If, if we would all just listen to that Still small voice, hopefully. I bet it is a still small voice saying you don't have to comment on everything. Right. Just relax. Kathy, here's the problem. Here's what we've discovered with the Wisdom Conviction Project. People are hearing a different still small voice. So, So when we went to Capitol Hill and met with leaders, they would say, listen, I'm following Jesus. I'm following the Jesus overturned table. That's the Jesus I follow. Right, right. And so they're very quick to use Twitter to say, I'm calling you out. You better believe I'm calling you out. And it's Holy Spirit-led. Yeah. But it's so dangerous. Well, the problem is, Jesus is going to return tables. Everybody else, just back off, would you please? (laughs) (laughs) And that that can be said. (laughs) That can be said. You would think he's overturning tables like every other chapter. Yeah, exactly. And I agree with you. There's a divine prerogative that Jesus has that quite simply I do not have. Yes. Right. Yep. It's not me. What the heck? Tim Muehlhoff from the Winsome Conviction Project. Tim, before you leave us, uh, no hot take, but just tell us about Winsome Conviction Project. Yeah, if you go to winsomeconviction.com, uh, we have a podcast, uh, Winsome Conviction Podcast, where we invite people on who we know we disagree with, and we try to do a good 30-second opening. We try to find common ground as we obviously move towards points of disagreement, but we first try to establish commonality and move from agreement to disagreement.
Excellent. That sounds so reasonable. That's crazy. (laughs) Tim, thanks a lot. Uh, Always a pleasure. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, you guys, I really appreciate uh, you guys allowing me to come on and uh, share my thoughts. Absolutely. Very we love you, stuff. Tim. That's we Tim Muehlhoff, Professor of Communication, Biola University. Check out a whole list of his books, including Winsome Conviction, Disagreeing Without Dividing the Church. We'll take a quick break. Step away. It's our weekly Friday feature up next, This or That. We're the right home. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk on Word of Him. Say it ain't so. It's time once again for this or that. Mm. It's a weekly feature. I've got some. I've got some. And we go at it. Kathy, here's my list. George Santos. Yeah. Pinocchio. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm choosing Pinocchio, John. (laughs) I just I feel like I have a little bit more warmth and uh, affection for him. Of course. Who doesn't like a wooden nose? Exactly. Hot take. Mm. Argument culture. Oh, great. I think one probably leads to the other, John. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, how am I supposed to pick? It's this or that. Well, I can't. Okay, I'm picking hot take. All right, good. That's a hot take on the hot take. Good grief. Anna, the prophetess. Dorcas. Dork is the woman who invented the green bean casserole. Yes. yes. Okay, very good. Um, well, I have to pick Anna the prophetess. I have to. What if I pick the woman who invented the green bean casserole over the prophetess? Well, Dorcas is also an axe, right? Well, yeah, but Dork... Yeah, okay. But we were talking... Okay, you know you meant the green bean lady. <laughs> Henry Kissinger. Yeah. Elon Musk. Oh. Well, they both have their pluses and minuses. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Uh, well, I... Why do you put me in these impossible situations? Because it's this or that. Okay, I, I can't believe I'm going to say... I think I'm going to pick Elon Musk. <laughs> Dropping by for an unexpected visit. Staying at home on the couch. Staying at home on the couch. Thank you very much. Cleaning the bathtub. Cleaning the litter boxes. <laughs> um, I would rather, I think, do the litter boxes based on my experience this week, mm-hmm. which was terrifying. Stage fright. Locking yourself out of the house. Oh, locking yourself out of the house. Stage fright is just... Have you been there? Yes. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Advent. Lent. Advent. Mm -hmm. Kneeling while you pray. Sitting in the dark in silence. Oh, kneeling when you pray. Vocal warm-ups. Stretching. <laughs> a vocal warm-up is so ridiculous. It sounds so silly. I, I pick it, it every time. Excellent. Giving good advice. Receiving good advice. Ah, uh, receiving. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin. Stevie Wonder. What kind of question is that? It's a Stevie question. Stevie Wonder. Watching a horror movie. Having a nightmare. Well, <laughs> One leads to the other. I hate watching horror movies. Who wants a nightmare? It's what kind this, of question? It's this or that. Lexi, can't it's, you arbitrate this, this I'll write up. I'll, I'll pick the scary movie and I'll close my eyes and find a happy place. And on a lighter note, humming, 
skipping. <laughs> I'll choose humming. <laughs> <laughs> That's my this or that. With some protest in there. Oh, I mean, for goodness sake. <laughs> All right, John. Last week was Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I think most of us have been eating our share of turkey and mashed potatoes mm-hmm. since then. Yeah. I mean, at this point, after all that time, the leftovers are... They're on the edge. Yeah, you're, they are on the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in honor of all of that, I give you, John, the leftovers edition oh, of this or that. Very nice. Okay. Stuff at this point that's slightly rewarmed. Mm-hmm. You might want to smell it. Do you give it to the dog slight, or you just pitch it? Slightly rewarmed. Mm-hmm. Number one, Rich Fitzgerald or Bill Peduto? Oh, oh Rich Fitzgerald. Okay. Good job, Rich Fitzgerald. Uh, number two, the Three Rivers Arts Festival mm-hmm. or the Old Airport? Oh, I still like the Arts Festival. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's slightly rewarming. Yeah, though. it is. Yeah. Right. Uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Please. <laughs> or MySpace. Oh, <laughs> MySpace? Was it, is MySpace even up? I think it might really, be up. It is, I yeah. think it might have six or seven people. No, I'm it. still doing Twitter. Okay. Uh, number four, smoking or ironing? Oh, what? Two things that, you know, they're kind of leftover. Yeah. Oh, uh, ironing is pleasurable. How could you possibly what? think that's pleasurable? You don't think ironing's pleasurable? I hate ironing you hate so it? much. Number five, Todd Haley or Matt Canada? Uh, I'm going to stay as far away from Matt Canada as possible. <laughs> Please, I'll take Todd Haley. Uh, number six, writing checks hmm. or getting a paper receipt? Uh, you still get paper receipts that are a mile long. Mm-hmm. I like writing a check, okay. don't you? Okay, I don't, I don't I, really mind writing a no, check. No. Uh, wearing a suit to work or hmm. coming into work even though you're sick? Oh, the worst. Oh, stay home. Please stay home if you're sick. Uh, happily, I'll wear a suit. Uh, okay, in spite of that. Uh, number eight, Cher or Madonna? Oh. Well, look, Cher's having a moment, right? That's what I'm saying. It's it's stuff that at this uh, point is yeah. slightly and rewarmed. I saw Cher. Uh, uh, yeah, either or. I mean, but, you know, I got you, babe. Uh, mm-hmm. Cher, sure. And we're sunny. NB- He's dead. Long since gone. NBC's Brian Williams. Remember when he said he was in the helicopter hit by the missile in Iraq, but it was actually the helicopter in front of him that got hit? Right. right. Okay. Either him or Amazon Prime's Carissa Thompson, who said that when she was a sideline reporter and couldn't <laughs> find a coach, she just made stuff up. Uh, don't make stuff up. <laughs> Either or. <laughs> What's his name? Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's well, off the air. Last one. Yeah. Hunter Biden or George Santos? Oh. <laughs> George Santos. What? You <laughs> well, of course, it's that time of year when we are viewing in to those nostalgic Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people love them because otherwise they wouldn't come back year after year after year. Surprising for people who don't like Christmas m- movies at all. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's always the Hallmark Channel, which is, I would is that say, like Christmas movie year round. Pretty much, right? Um, you said earlier, Kath, you've never seen a Hallmark movie. I'm raising my hand as well. Yeah. We must be in a small minority. Lex, have you seen a Hallmark movie? I have. I okay. enjoy them so much. Do okay. Yeah. The Hallmark Channel. Now, they all kind of pretty much follow the same plot, though, don't they? I, I think I know that to be true, right? It's the same kind of story. Anyway, uh, Yahoo has uh, done a poll, and uh, they went out and they asked uh, people their 10 favorite Christmas movies. Oh, all right. Which ones they regularly watch. Okay. And uh, let me go from top to bottom here, okay? Okay. Because I'm curious about some of them. Because, well, let me just say, okay. No, start at 10. And can you start at 10 and go to 1? Uh, 10 to 1. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, of the of the thousand or more people who were polled, 26% of the people said none of these. 
Oh, that's a high percentage. That's a lot, isn't it? Okay. Um, number 10, which is always up for debate, Die Hard. It's not a Christmas movie. See, I, some people would say it's, I know. A, it's very strong. That comes in at 14%. Miracle on 34th Street. Yep. I love that movie. I love that movie. It's on my list. Yeah, is it? I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Santa Claus. I don't even know what that I is. I never saw that. What is it? Lex, do you know that? The Santa Claus? Is, is that... that the one with Tim Allen? Oh, that oh, must I be. Oh, I think you're right. You're right. I'm yeah, going yeah. right. to Google it just to okay. be sure. Okay. I don't want to say, thing that, yeah. say okay. something that's not mm-hmm. true. It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. That's got to be tough. Unexpected. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's expected. expected. Pardon yeah. me. You've seen it, right? One time. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. But you have finally seen yep. it. Christmas Vacation. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, never showed that to my kids, though. They've never seen it. Okay. Maybe this is the year. Okay. This is our, our, our holiday favorite, Elf. So funny. The best. Mm-hmm. Bob Newhart, are Lo- you kidding uh, me? The best. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Mm, Christmas Vacation. Oh, um, this I don't know. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh. That's the animated special. I love it so yeah. much. With Burl Ives. Yes. <laughs> Going yes. through the snow. It's so good. Yeah, it's really excellent. And the uh, what the Island of Misfit Toys. Yes, that's something, right? Right, excellent. Yeah. That's a different one. Uh, let me see. A Charlie Brown Christmas. Of course. It's on my list as well. What is that on? I mean, it's, all, a, it's only on if you have Apple TV, because now Apple owns it. What? Yeah. They, I can't see it? No. I don't have Apple TV. Well... I'll get it for a few days. All right, can I subscribe and then... Okay. Uh, about Christmas. A Christmas story. Oh, you know what? I don't think that that's that great. That's a great movie. Do you think? That's a great movie. Uh, what? Come on, you that guys. Great. That's fabulous. I don't think it oh, is. Oh, it's a great movie. I, I love that film. I don't think I've ever made it to the end. What? That's just not interesting to oh, me. I don't... Yeah. I'm shocked. Okay. I love that movie. I'm sorry to disappoint, the but dad, I can't... The mom, the, I mean, the yeah. BB gun, all that. Uh, the number one uh, Christmas story, which is really weird, Home Alone. What? Home Alone? You know, I never saw that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel that way about... Is that a Christmas movie? Well, yeah, I mean, but Because, not really. like, Die Hard is, though. It happens at Christmas. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's a Christmas no, movie. No, I don't think so. No, it's, you know, tomfoolery and, you know, animated violence in a way. That's Macaulay right? Culkin, right? Yeah. Joe Pesci. Yeah, I don't know it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are the ten favorites okay. for the year. All right. So let's throw it personally. Lex, uh, put, put together your little list. I know I didn't tell you ahead of time. Okay. Um, a little a, list. I have a little list. Okay. John, you want to go? Um, well, I'll just trumpet what I just yeah. what I said here. Uh, number one by far, a Charlie Brown Christmas. So great. Here's the thing: Charles Schultz was a committed believer, mm-hmm. and when he was approached about this series, he insisted to the executives at C- CBS that he put the gospel in this episode, yep, the Luke two passage, and they resisted. Of course, Charlie you know, Charles, Charles Schultz, Schultz had, had enough capital at that point uh, that he could win. Gigantic capital. So millions and millions and millions of people who never would have heard the gospel hear it on that Charlie Brown special, mm-hmm. which is outstanding. Isn't Whenever it? you read it in the Bible, don't you hear Linus yes, saying it? Of course. Yeah, you can't help it. <laughs> and low. Yeah. I love it so much. I love it so much, too. Uh, I would say number two is Elf. Okay. Because that was like our kids' Christmas movie. Great when our movie. kids were little. Right, they were like, "What? What is this?" Such a great movie. It's excellent. I mean, everything about it is really, really excellent. Plus, I, I worked with one of the I worked with the uh, TV reporter, 
Did you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? It, um, at the public. No way. Yeah, in Cyrano de Bergerac. How about that? Yeah, Claire, she's excellent. That's so excellent. And um, I would say it's a wonderful life. Okay. I mean, Jimmy Stewart? Yeah. It's such a classic. Right. What would the world be like if you weren't in it? Right. I just love it. Okay. Those are my top three. Lex, you want to go next? Sure. Um, I think all of... When I think of, like, what's my favorite Christmas movie, I think of all the movies that are, like, a requirement for me to watch. Sure. Um, and I think most of them are going to be that um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed yep. Reindeer mm-hmm. um, type aesthetic, where it's that one. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Absolutely. Um, the Year Without a Santa yes. Claus. All of those movies, they have to be on have to during be the holidays. Yeah. And is, I, wait, The Year Without a Santa Claus, that's the one with, the, like, the trippy um, uh, girl... Uh, who's saying, uh, I'll be a uh, blue Christmas. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. It's also the, that's the movie with heat miser and snow miser. Got it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are like, that's the uh, group of movies that I have to watch. My mom has them all on VHS. Sure. Oh, on VHS. Oh, on VHS. Yeah, that's, I love where, it. that's where I used to, uh, how I used to watch them. I like it. Very nice. Okay. What okay. What else? Or is, do you have any other ones? Um, the Polar Express, I think, is another big one oh. for me, which is very that. sad that it's not on the list. Wait, my sister said to me the other day, hey, we're going to see the annual viewing of the Polar Express down at the Carnegie Science Center on that big screen. You oh. want to come? And I was like, No. No, once is enough. That sort of leaves me cold, that movie. Really? Yeah. I've I mean, never seen it. Haven't you? Mm-mm. It's okay. I think it's a it's a fun one. It's not like I don't have to watch it. Right. Um, and then I think The Nightmare Before Christmas is a very fun one. As oh, well. I've Burton. heard a lot of good things about that, and I've never seen that either. What? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So have you seen that? I have. Yeah. Okay, because it's okay. Tim Burton. Right, right. Exactly. Okay. Very nice. All right. Um, I'm going to second your Santa Claus is Coming to Town, mm-hmm. your Year Without a Santa Claus, and your Rudolph, Lexi. Um, but I'm going to add to that, and I'll second your Elf mm-hmm. for sure. I'll also second the Lists Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. And my number one, of course, being Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. No question. But I will add a couple. The first one I will add is White Christmas. Oh, yeah. Rosemary Clooney. Bing Crosby. Sisters. I mean, sisters. I love that movie yeah. so much. Excellent film. Never were there such devoted sisters. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, that is so beautiful. Lexi, have you seen White Christmas? Oh, it's a great film. I have not. Dear oh, heaven. haven't you? Dear heaven. It's streaming. I'm sure it's streaming. It's so, it's just. I'll find it. We'll follow the old man. <laughs> Wherever it's, he wants to it's go. It's so stirring. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. White Christmas has to be there. Mm. Um, the second one is Doctor Who. Doctor Who Christmas special. Yes. So there's there are several Doctor Who Christmas specials. Yeah. But there's one in particular that is based on The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Hmm. That is so good. No kidding. It's a World War II one. It is so good. We have to we've wa- we watch it every Christmas. Does that stream as a standalone? Yes, it does. Okay. Yes, it does. And the American Girl movies. What? In particular, Samantha, Felicity, and Molly. Those are the greatest Christmas scenes. Those, if you've never seen an American Girl movie, you think, oh, that's probably super cheese. It's not. Really? They are so well done. They are so well done, especially those three, Samantha, Felicity, and Molly. Some of the most memorable Christmas scenes and stories, especially Felicity, of any movie I've ever seen. Really? That's interesting. That's how good okay. it is. So Very if you're cool. looking for one in particular, watch okay. Felicity, the American Girl. Wait, I just thought of one. Um, the Walton Christmas movie. Never saw- oh, oh, wait a minute. That's such a good wait film. Wait a minute. 
it's probably five years ago we're having oh, this conversation oh. <laughs> on the air. <laughs> yeah. And so I go to the public library, Northland, to get it? Yeah. and I go to get the Walton Christmas. I think I have it. That is such a snooze. What? It's not a snooze it at all. It is a, it's a total great... no, no. snooze. They're waiting for dad to come home. It's like, I, 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 I couldn't... I no, could, what? I couldn't bear it. Get out of here. Yeah. You're like my brother in Paris, Texas. I'm sorry. What a buzzkill. No way. That's a great movie. Mm-mm. Oh, the Walton family Christmas. But I tried. I want you to know that I tried. Mm, all right. I mean, you might think that when you watch Doctor Who. Okay, maybe so. You probably will. All right. Anyway, uh, happy viewing to you. Absolutely. Enjoy your Christmas watching. AI filters, right? Where someone takes their image and in many ways makes themselves non-recognizable as who they truly are, right? You've seen this. Especially women who end up like looking like Barbies. Yeah, this is a common thing, though. However, there's a deeply historical precedent about this, and it involves classical painting. And what's happening is that museums around the world, now with the carbon technology and radiology, are looking at images of women or people in their historical collections of older paintings and discovering that the artist's initial application of painting of a, a particularly female subject over the years has been altered by well-meaning revisionists mm. who see someone less than ideal and have now sort of added features that are more supposedly beautiful. Yeah, okay. This is happening here locally at the uh, Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh. Uh, th- there is a, a painting by English portraitist Cornelius Johnson, and it is um, a painting um, of a woman. Um, her name is a Cecil, portrait of Diana Cecil, which was painted in 1634. And uh, the, the Carnegie had this painting, and they, they put it under um, uh, something called um, radiology likening. So what happened was, so radically erased was the true image of Cecil's face that the Carnegie Museum of Art, which owns the work, wasn't even aware that they had a likeness of this woman in her collection. They thought it was one person, but it was actually another person who, over the years, had been transformed. By other artists. Yes. And so the Carnegie Museum didn't know what to do, to do about this. They started to look at this in 2014. It was a portrait that was possessed by another famous f- member of this family. And what they realized was that it was this woman, Cecil, who was on the title of the painting. Mm -hmm. But then over the years, the family had owned this painting. They superimposed another family member on top of the original member. Oh, so it wasn't actually her? No. It was two people joined together. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Very strange. Is that because they liked the more recent person, how she looked better? That's the mystery. They're unsure why that was done, but they kept the original title of the more prominent person in the family. But gave the f- it, her the face of someone else. Exactly. That's creepy. And of course, you would never have known because of the new technology that exists. They're able to go back and reveal what's underneath the paint. So we're not alone in our in our Instagram weird fixes of what we perceive people as people have always wanted to do that. Yeah.
Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon, and thanks for coming along for the Friday edition of The Ride Home. Hopefully, uh, you're on your way home right now and getting ready to enjoy a nice weekend. Mm-hmm. Emma, should I just tell you right now? Tell me what? Your weekend has begun. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. It's a few minutes past the 5 o'clock hour. There's one person excited. Maybe uh, maybe that's a salesperson, which it they might, should have Yeah, been. but they haven't been at work for the last five hours. Right, exactly. There's nobody here at, uh, at the station. No, it is dark and quiet. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. What's going on back there? Um, I will say, though, that uh, coming up in this hour, we have the Week in Review. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Popular uh, weekly segment. Yep. Uh, what are you listening to? Right. What did you eat? What did you read? What are people talking What'd about? What did you watch? All those things. Yeah. All that sort uh-huh. of thing. So we're looking forward to that. Very nice. And our good friend, Dr. Richard Mao from uh, sunny Pasadena, California, will be with us in just a couple. Very nice. All right. Uh, in-depth story in today's Wall Street Journal that is one of those things I don't want to talk about, but I feel like it's important to talk about, and that's um, the story about Meta, the company that owns Instagram and Facebook, in its struggle to boot pedophiles off of both of those social media platforms. On Facebook and... Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I'm just going to uh, highlight a couple things I thought were interesting about the article and um, read some segments of it. Meta has spent months trying to fix child child safety program problems, pardon me, on Instagram and Facebook, but struggling, John, to prevent its own systems from enabling and even promoting a vast network of pedophile accounts. The social media giant set up a child safety task force in June after the Wall Street Journal and researchers at Stanford and the University of Massachusetts Amherst revealed that Instagram's algorithms connected a web of accounts devoted to the creation, purchasing, and trading of underage sex content. Hmm. Five months later, that's a long time, five months later, tests conducted by the journal, as well as by the Canadian Center for Child Protection, show that Meta's recommendation systems still promote such content. Now, the company has taken down hashtags related to pedophilia, but its systems sometimes recommend new ones with just minor variations. And even when Meta is alerted to what's going on, it's been spotty in actually removing the accounts. So the tests show that the problem is beyond Instagram and encompasses the much broader universe of Facebook groups, including large groups explicitly centered on sexualizing children. Facebook, which counts more than 3 billion monthly users worldwide, promotes its groups feature as a way to connect users with similar interests. A spokesman for Meta said the company had hidden 190,000 groups in Facebook search results, also disabled tens of thousands of other accounts, but that the work hadn't progressed as quickly as it would have liked. What? So 190,000 groups were removed. Tens of thousands of accounts were removed. And still, it's a drop in the bucket. How can that be? The Stanford Internet Observatory, which has been examining Internet platforms handling of child sex content, credited Meta in a September report with some progress, but said of the connection among pedophiles, particularly on Instagram, that the overall ecosystem remains alive with significant room for improvement in contact enforcement. 
Um, so there are as many as 10 million followers in some Instagram accounts that continue to live stream videos of child sex abuse, even months after it's reported to the company. How can this be? I mean, so again, I'm not going to go into all of these details, um, but let me just suffice it to say that the story is that every time a watchdog group brings it up with Meta, Meta makes an effort to curtail, right, curtail some of the things. But the actual algorithms that uh, that in an, an AI fashion allow Facebook and Instagram to operate are the things that are allowing it to spread. Bypass it. Right. Without any... You know, they don't have to go past an editor's pen or click. I see. It just, you know, happens automatically. We walk amongst monsters. I know. I think that the large, I mean, obviously the meta is, is an absolute issue that we should talk about. The larger issue is what is wrong with people? The sickness. Seriously, we are. Really? I don't know. For people who think that we're born good and then we get corrupted along the way, no, I'm no, sorry. No. I do not buy it. I do not buy it. I mean, it. to think about, would you say 109,000 groups? 190,000 groups. They groups. Were, they were just shut down and tens of thousands of users shut down, but that wasn't even a fraction a of what was the there. It wasn't. Company documents reviewed by the Wall Street Journal show that senior meta executives earlier this year instructed the company's integrity team, which is responsible for addressing user safety issues, to give priority to objectives including, quote, reducing advertiser friction and avoiding mistakes that might inadvertently limit well-intended usage of our products. So basically what that means is they told their integrity team, look, we want to be careful about these things like child sex, but not too careful, because our priority has to be letting people use the platform as much as possible. So if we need to, basically what they're saying is if we need to let a little bit of sex trafficking or a little bit of child exploitation in, then we're going to have to do that just so Facebook can flourish. And there has to be a better response than that. There has to be. Because obviously you don't care much about child exploitation if that's what you have decided your answer is. I mean, and that is mainstream. Uh, Facebook, Instagram are mainstream. Yeah, we're not talking about... So what goes on behind the curtain, beyond deeper into that? I mean, seriously, are there millions and millions and millions and millions of people who are doing this heinous activity, this craziness every day, this abuse against children every day? Mm -hmm. What is wrong with us? I know. How can you go there? What is... Heaven help us. Leanna McDonald, who is the uh, president of the Center for Canadian Center for Child Protection, she said, why is it that we can, within minutes, go onto one of these platforms and find these massive networks when the people who work at Meta take months, take some stuff down, and still there are millions of people active in the areas of child sex abuse. So... It's it's a it's a question it's a good question right so if I can go on there and I haven't but Leanna McDonald and the Canadian Center for Child Protection has 
it's easy for her to find. Why is it not easy for the people that work at Meta to find? And I, the only answer that I can come up with after reading, you know, I don't know, 16 pages of this article is that they don't want to enough. They want to keep things yeah. afloat. Yes. Because it hurts the yeah, bottom so, line. Yeah. So child safety policy, eh, we can get behind that, but only up to a point. Uh, we say that, that sex trafficking's bad, eh, only to a point. We say pedophilia is bad, but only to a point. If it ever comes in contact with the business model or the model or, the, or the usage of how the social media platform works, then the platform wins. Good gravy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean... I don't. You can read uh, the entire piece at today's Wall Street Journal, and it's on the front page there. But I think it should give every one of us a sense of um, I don't know. It gives me a sense of humility. You know, I gives you a sense of horror. And you and just dread. you have no idea who's out there. Who's out there? You have no idea what kind of stuff we're battling against. We were talking to Hugh Ross a couple of days ago, and he said, uh, you know, he, he quoted, "For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood." No. Our struggle is against the powers and the principalities of this dark world. I'm into that. And it's not about... And people even, knew that thousands it, of years right, ago. Right, exactly. It's not even about how many millions of people were taken down off of Meta. Yeah. Uh, I guess what's important for me to keep in mind, at least, is that you know it's a matter for prayer. And it's just a matter of keeping your eyes open and knowing this is the world we've got. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the hymn book. Advent, hymns, and Christmas straight ahead with Dr. Richard Mao. Who doesn't love Christmas carols? The beauty of them, the complexity of them, and the theological depth of Christmas carols have truly defined the ages, if for not hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Dr. Richard Mao is back with us. Dr. Mao is a regular guest on our show, professor of faith and public life at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California, where he served as president for 20 years. Richard is the author of multiple books. His latest is called Restless Faith, Holding Evangelicals' Beliefs in a World of Contested Labels. But today, Christmas carols. Richard, welcome back. How are things? Hey, good to good to talk to you guys. Thank yeah, you. Richard, we're so happy again that you are well and uh, looking forward to another great Christmas. You suffered a stroke. How long ago was that, Richard? Well, it was a year ago last March, so it's wow. been a year and a half at least. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it's so thrilling to be able to speak to you every month, and uh, I just, I don't know, I praise God for your recovery, and I'm really grateful for you this Christmas. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Richard, so um, when it comes to Christmas carols, I think that Christians can get kind of proprietary about them. I I was talking to um, a woman that I know uh, in kind of a larger Christian circle here in Pittsburgh, and she was saying that it really bothers her when she hears people who aren't Christians sing Christmas carols. What? Yeah. She was she was like, they don't even know what they're saying. And kind of like like having it sung by a sinner with some kind of blaspheme or something. <laughs> yeah, right. right yeah. How do you look at that? Well, I, you know, I tend to think of Christmas carols as our gift to the larger world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a wonderful gift. And I do think that it works on people's lives. You know, yeah. you know as I said, I... I you hear a lot about the commercialization of Christmas. Yes. And I, I think that there's also the Chris, Christmasization of commerce. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, that uh, uh, It's a time of year where, where people have tender feelings. They, they, they think about family. And 
there are broken families that get together, and, and there are good things that are happening. Yes, yeah. yeah. So Christmas carols, and especially, Richard, the hymn book, which in many churches is long forgotten. Talk about the hymn book. I mean, because it is a great resource, isn't it? Yes, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I you know, as I've said, and you know this, I, I get a lot of my theology from Christmas carols, I mean, from hymns, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, just, and uh, Christmas carols uh, carry some special meaning for me. Yeah. When I think of uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, I uh, I think back to being, in, for some reason, it's so clear in my mind, being in college, I sang with the Heinz Chapel Choir, which is the uh, university choir at uh, University of Pittsburgh. And I remember being in the chapel, and it was filled with, you know, 500 or so people. Um, I was, it was my senior year, so I was 22 years old. And I was singing the, those lyrics thinking, how is this still okay to do? I mean, the mm-hmm. lyrics to Hark the Herald Angels Sing are crazy. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the, <laughs> hail the Son of Righteousness. Yeah. Light and, you know, I mean, it's just the words are so profound, and they don't, they're, talk about, they don't mince words at all. No. No. No, that's right. No. And, uh, and yet there are people who, I mean, like Silent Night, you know, People love to sing that, uh, yeah. and it's about a baby and a and a virgin mother, and uh, but but it's also the dawn of redeeming grace, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. And people sing those hymns, mostly you know non-believers who don't have a clue, as Kath says, essentially what they're singing. It's also it kind of like the gospel is being a little subversive there, isn't it? Yes, I think that's right. Yeah. And I, I think subversive is is a, a really good word in this regard because uh, this idea that we need to keep them all to ourselves because we're the ones who understand the words, I think that's just wrong. I think we we do need to see Christmas, the whole Christmas, the whole Advent season as, as our gift to the larger world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're inviting them into, hey, Take family seriously. Have a have a spirit of giving, uh, and and uh, give in to those those feelings of uh, of loneliness, of uh, guilt about the past, and even a the, the desire for something new in my life. You know. That's Dr. Richard Mao, Professor of Faith and Public Life at Fuller Theological Seminary. Uh, he served as president there in Pasadena for more than 20 years. And I don't know how many books Richard has written, but it is a lot. Let me recommend uh, Restless Faith, Holding Evangelical Beliefs in a World of Contested Labels. Yes. Richard, uh, just on a side note, you know, I, I do follow you on social media. And I saw the post earlier this week about you and your tuba playing days. What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Wow. Yes, uh-huh. you you played tuba in that parade. Yeah, yeah, back in uh, in the fifties, <laughs> and uh, we, you know, you you go and you you play these John Philip Sousa type marches, sure. you know. But uh, we also had a routine. At a certain point, we stopped and we performed in front of cameras. Mm-hmm. 
and we did Ain't She Sweet, just coming down the street. Now, I ask you all confidentially, Ain't She Sweet, you know? <laughs> On the tuba. <laughs> you know, tubas. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, the tuba's not usually the instrument you play to get the girls, Richard. I just <laughs> no. want to say that. No. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. T- talk about that tuba life. What was it that compelled you to don the tuba, Richard? Well... I I I I was taking violin lessons for a long time. Yeah, and I just I I tried to play the trumpet, and I didn't, that didn't go very well. And then I thought I really wanted to be a part of a band. Yeah, you know, I I, I didn't make the football team in high school. I didn't make the soccer team, but I wanted to be a part of uh, something that had a kind of public presence. Yeah, and. Uh, so the easiest thing was I, I already had you know, taken a few lessons on the trumpet. So it was I played the baritone for a while, but I ended up on the tuba, and I liked that. Yeah, yeah cool. And so, how many years did you play the tuba? Oh, for uh, four four years of high school. I love that so much. It's always a person with a good sense of humor who plays that instrument. It would have to <laughs> always. <be>. Yeah. <laughs> you have to really. You have that thing wrapped around yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So what that, that day, Richard, do you have any recollection of this? When you took the tuba off your body and lay it down, do you think, I'll never pick that up again? <laughs> no, I didn't think that because uh, I had another year out of it. But, you know, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I, and it wasn't all that heavy. You know, if you get into in the band, then you play the double B-flat bass, which is an upright that you hold. But... Marching with a tuba is much, uh, it's a lighter instrument, and it does wrap around your body fairly well. Yeah, so. I bet it does, yeah. Richard, I have to change the subject for a minute, because I was sitting in church last week, and uh, my pastor's been doing a series on Revelation, and who does he cite last Sunday but Richard Mao? Get out of here. Oh, no. Yeah, so he starts talking about When the Kings Come Marching In, which is a book of yours I don't even know. I have never read it. Uh, anyway, it, but it looks fat. I, mean, I guess for all of the years that we've known you, known you there's so little of your books that we've actually read i mean it just doesn't seem right <laughs> well you're not missing out on all that oh much, i don't but, think uh, that's true well, i, I mean, do not a, think that's that, true it's been a very popular book for me actually yeah yeah i mean look if, if, so, if someone's quoting that book richard in this year 2023 i mean it's probably been around for a long time it's made its impact into the, into the culture yeah yeah yeah, it's kind of a gratifying to realize that, yes. Well, yeah. I already ordered it, Richard. Oh, well, great. Yes. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for me. I yeah. sure will. You're getting a little check from Amazon there, Richard. I absolutely will. Okay, Richard, so talk about what Christmas looks like for you and your wife this year. Well, we're going to be uh, pretty much alone, although on Christmas Day we go to be with friends locally. Uh, you know, we're, the extended family is kind of spread over the the country. The fruited plant. We have two grandsons now who just got married in the last couple of years. Excellent. And one of them, uh, he and his wife, are coming next week for four days to stay with us. So it'll be kind of an early uh, Advent gathering with them. And, and then the others will come after the first of the year. But uh, we... Uh, we, we try to find ways in which we can be just the two of us enjoying each other. Yeah, yeah that's good. Very good. Yeah. 
Good. Well, uh, Richard, we'll not speak to you uh, before Christmas. Uh, so our hope is that Kath and I, that you and Phyllis, you have yourself a, a holy, beautiful Christmas. And uh, you. that you read the hymn books. Mm-hmm. And maybe you pull the uh, tuba out of hock <laughs> and play yourself a few hymns. <laughs> I wonder what I'd play on the on the tuba. What kind of hymns I'd play on the tuba? There's yeah, a really right. nice bass line in Hark the Herald Angels. Let me just say yeah. that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, so, you guys, thank you so much, uh, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you, Richard. It's a, it's a great time for us to realize that uh, this is the time where where the Son of Righteousness was born. And right now, and you know that line, angels. Uh, over the the weary world, yeah. You know? The weary the weary we're world rejoices. In a weary world right now. Yeah. We surely do. Yeah. And uh, we need those sounds of hope from Christmas carols. You know that he comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. And boy, boy, there's a lot of curse, a lot of curse out there right now. Truly, there is. Peace be with you, Richard. Merry Christmas. And love you guys. Thank you. Blessings. Love, love you. you, Richard. That's Richard Mao. Check out his book, When the Kings Come Marching In, Isaiah and the New Jerusalem. And uh, if you're fortunate, maybe you'll play yourself some tuba Christmas hymns. Remember years ago when our kids were super little, we would make the annual trek to Hartwood Acres mm. and drive through Hartwood at Christmas time and look at the Christmas lights. Right. It was a really, it was like a slow motion drive, maybe like a, maybe a, a couple miles, I would think. But boy, we sure loved it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I have an ultimate guide to 10 holiday light displays in the Pittsburgh area. Oh, okay. Thanks to our friends from Next Pittsburgh, the Clinton... Christmas light-up celebration from now until January the 1st. Experience a mile-long drive of holiday lights for $10 for a vehicle, uh, cash only, and enjoy array of holiday lights, inflatable decorations, characters, and decorated Christmas trees. It's at 600 Clinton Park Drive in Imperial. How about the um, Fun for All's Holiday Lights Mini Golf from now until January 3rd? Visitors will not only get a holiday light show, but also a round of miniature golf starting at 15 bucks. The show lets golfers walk through a holiday display with thousands of lights open daily from 5 o'clock till 9 p.m. in Cranberry. Remember when mini golf was just for summer? Yeah. Not anymore? Glowland, now through January the 2nd. This is uh, in the Oakland neighborhood. Oakland's commercial district, including Forbes Avenue, are converted into a month-long winter festival with art installations, music, and illuminations. Uh, free to stroll through a few special events. Require tickets. Shenley Park, um, Forbes Avenue in Oakland. All right? Okay. Holiday lights on the lake. through Now, uh, now through January the 7th, Lakemont Park will host the Holiday Lights on the Lake drive through event. Tickets at $15. Visitors see more than a million lights decorating a 51-acre park. In addition to light show, attendees uh, can visit the gift shop where they can buy ornaments. Also, the Holiday Magic Winter Flower Show and Light Garden. That's at Phipps Conservatory, right? You know Phipps, oh don't you? Oh, my gosh. It's beautiful what they do there. 1,600 really poinsettias, holiday trees, topiaries. The Winter Flower Show opens at 5 o'clock each day. Tickets start at $20. Phipps Conservatory. Kennywood's Holiday Lights, now through January 1st. Of course, uh, the 100-foot-tall evergreen tree built as the tallest Christmas tree in Pennsylvania. Model railway displays. Uh, there's also a 
Rides in Kitty Land. Tickets start at 20 bucks. run through Sunday, uh, January 1st. Very nice. How about Overly's Country Christmas? December 31st is when it ends. Overly's Country Christmas. Get to witness thousands of holiday lights and decorations. Walk around the Christmas village as well. It's in uh, Greensburg. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pittsburgh Zoo and Aquarium drive through I like to do this. This is pricey, though. 40 bucks per vehicle. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, through December 30th, animals mingle with thousands of LED lights. What did that do to the animals? Wow. Decorations and music, uh, 40 bucks. the aforementioned. Animal-themed light displays accompanied by festive music. Zoo lights run from 515 to 945, but time tickets must be purchased online. Uh, it's at the zoo in Highland Park. And the dazzling night at Pittsburgh Botanic Garden through January 1st. Snap a selfie in front of a 30-foot stained glass tree. Activate interactive lights on the ground. Uh, $22 to $27 for adults, $19 to $24 for kids. That's in Oakdale. And the North Park Holiday Drive-In Laser Show, Allegheny County's Holiday Drive-In Laser Show, like the aforementioned Hartwood Acres, Mm -hmm. December 8th through the 23rd. Tickets are 30 bucks per vehicle. Space is limited. Tickets online only. Um, South Bridge Park um, in Allison Park. That's a lot of lights. Well, that's a fun idea, especially if you've got somebody who is housebound. Yeah. That's a terrific thing to do. Or just little kids. Or if you've got little kids. It's been another week. That means it's time for John and Kathy's Week in Review. What was everyone talking about this week? The most important thing people were talking about was the hostage exchange between Israel and Hamas and vice versa. Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. Yeah, I think so, too. Also, rising Mm anti-Semitism. The speech that Chuck Schumer made before the Senate, I think, was... uh, I think it was super important and incredibly necessary. Please. But also the fact that it was a Democrat who was making it, I thought was really important. A little wake-up call there. And also, we're heading into week two, Steelers without Matt Canada. Mm -hmm. So it was last week a fluke. I think a lot of people are wanting to know what the uh, Arizona game is going to look like. What was a conversation that made you think? Uh, We made a nod to this a little earlier in the show, uh, Tuesday at 440 with Hugh Ross. I picked the same one. How could you not? Was that fascinating? It was fascinating. Yeah, Hugh Ross and Big Bang Cosmology, right? Uh, How do you go back and see the beginning of creation? Mm -hmm. I mean, I keep on thinking about that number, which I need to go. Yeah, from a trillionth of a trillionth of a a second. It doesn't even make, numbers like that make absolutely no sense to me. No, with a radio telescope and now with a James Webb telescope. And uh, so the the James Webb telescope is 250 million years after the Big Bang, Mm -hmm. which is, (laughs) that's a long time. Right. But according to Hugh, it's just a heartbeat. Right. And, and hearing, I mean, I just, I appreciate people who are able to navigate worlds that are so outside my my uh, understanding. And Hugh being able to kind of put, bring it to the average person like me, yeah. I just really, really appreciate. Anyway, if you missed that, um, any of our conversations this week, you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. What are you reading? We spent a lot of time yesterday uh, talking about books with Byron Borger from Hearts and Minds Bookstore. And one of those books that he, he highlighted, I'd already been reading, uh, which is Advent, The Season of Hope by Tish Harrison Warren. 
and uh, InterVarsity Press has put out these. They're little slim volumes. Um, I, I thought I had it with me, but they're just tiny, and it's a series of essays three pages, four pages, or whatnot, that dig deeper into where we are right now, the beginning of Advent season. Lovely. That's that series that Esau Macaulay yes. is the editor, the editor of, right? right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I would like to do that. Um, I am just finishing Harry's Trees by John Cohen. And listen, this is such a good book. I just love this book, but if you are a if you're a believer in Jesus and you open the book, you have to know that it's told like a fairy tale. And so if that's not your thing, you're not going to like it. Um, the word God is never in it. Um, but it kind of reminds me of the book of Esther, hmm. where God is not mentioned, uh, but is all over the story. Yeah, and it. it is so excellent on Audible. Nice. I can't even tell you how good it is. Anyway, just it's Harry's Trees by John Cohen. What did you eat? Well, of course, uh, the aforementioned leftovers. But my wife, uh, she had bought fixings for an apple pie. And then she was like, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to make it for Thanksgiving. So I'll make it for you on Sunday. This coming? No, this past. Okay. So all week long, I've been eating this apple pie slowly. Oh, my gosh. Because here's the thing. My kids, my one son will eat a small slice. Everybody else, they're meh about it. I can't even believe that. So the other day, my wife was like... Where did you like, go wrong as a parent? Doesn't it make you ask yourself the question? Well, I, no, because no, I'm actually, kind of you actually did it. a good job. I feel pretty you good about more it. More pie yeah. for you. So I'm eating this apple pie. I mean, seriously, it's off the charts. It is so good. And I said to her, this is so good. And she said, you know what? I really don't have a taste for it. And I was like, what? She said, really, I really don't care about apple pie. I said to her, it's like an atheist being your worship leader. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're making this pie for me that is so incredibly delicious and you have no connection to it? Anyway, that's what I've been eating. Homemade I apple pie. I love it cold. Me too. I love it cold. Oh. Out of the, are you kidding me? Okay. Well, last night I made a shakshuka for the first time. Lex. A shakshuka. Now, I'd never made one Gesundheit. before. I know that it's very popular. I'm, I don't know where I've been, but I made one and it, uh, I ma- it, you make it in a big pan. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of a concoction of onion and red pepper oh, and oh. tomato sauce and hot spices. Yeah. And then you make little holes in the sauce and you, uh, put eggs in there okay now the one i made lexi uh serves four to six and eric and i ate the whole thing nice it was sickening like we could barely walk up the steps and go to sleep but it it was absolutely delicious so shakshuka bring it excellent what did you watch what's this italian film this week called mixed by airy and it's a true story. How do you spell Ari? E-R-R-Y. Okay. It's a true story of these um, three Italian brothers and their father. And the one Italian brother, Ari, this is set like in uh, the 80s. It begins in the 80s and goes on until the 90s. And the, and the Italian brother wants to be a DJ. And as part of this, he starts to make, now this is, of course, a very specific time. Do you remember mixtapes? Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I had I used to make mixtapes. Sure. I had, friend, I had a good friend who every year gave me, these are the songs of, you know, 1985. I had a boyfriend that used to make me mixtapes. I love it. I love right. it. So anyway. This Each tr- song with a special significance. Of course. <laughs> so these, this guy who made these mixtapes, they started to sell them in Italy. 
you know, like it, like in a market. It became a huge phenomenon, so much so that these three brothers and the dad, they made more than $4 million a year selling these mixtapes in these marketplaces until finally— Wait, is this a true story? It's a true story, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at one point, these guys were the largest—you see this in the film—the largest record company in Italy. Come on. And they were just doing mixtapes. Yeah, it's a great story. Mixed by Airy, E-R-R-Y. It's a great film. I love that idea for a film. Yeah. That is super good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was introduced, again, like I missed Shakshuka, you know, like everyone's been making it for sure. 100 years and I missed it. Um, I somehow missed Nate Bargatze, the uh, stand-up comedian. I don't know where I've oh, been. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I watched Tennessee Kid this week. Which is that is, Netflix? Yes. And then I watched it again, and then we watched it a third time. We watched it three times Funny. in seven days. He is so hilarious. Excellent. I cannot believe how how hilarious he is. Good stuff. So if you haven't seen him yet, check out Nate Bargatze. What was the best news you heard this week? Well, this is not particularly good news for everyone. This is good news for me. But yesterday I bought opening day tickets. You're kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> and the Pirates look to be like a, another bad team again. But I wonder who's going to be pitching. It's not going to be Oviedo. He's got one pitcher. On the, but winter is upon us. But I'm holding in my phone digital tickets for for Friday, April 5th. That's incredible. Opening day against the Orioles, of all people. Wow. Mm, that's good okay. news. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. Uh, the best news I heard this week is, you guys, I turned over a new leaf. Oh. I'm going to bed early. What? You Woo! guys, this is, yes. What the heck is, is going so, on? This is a real, this is a real step of... Faith and why are you doing this? Because I just felt like I wasn't making. I I, I felt like I was making bad decisions at night. As far as all I wanted to do was stay up late, watch things, and snack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I I can't. So anyway, what is early? Last night I was in bed by ten thirty. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. But it's true. I've done it. So it's been six nights. Early to bed. Early to bed. Congratulations. Thank you. Very adult. So I'm trying. Excellent. What have you been listening to? Again, I, I beat this drum every year. I'm, I fall into Advent. So this is Advent music that I've been listening to. This is uh, Chrissy Knuckles and Chris Tomlin. Beautiful. Think how old that song is. Yeah. 
how it just speaks. Surely, it's as fresh today as when it was first oh, sung. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Oh, that's gorgeous. All right, well, again, what I listened to was different. Switching gears. Brian Setzer Orchestra, two weeks in a row I picked him, but that's the Nutcracker Suite. That is so fun. And it's so fun. I mean, the whole thing, that's just the very beginning, but you should just go online and check it out right now. It'll make your holiday. Brian Setzer. just a few minutes before the 6 o'clock hour. The weekend truly has officially begun. And because, of course, it's the beginning of the Christmas season, much to do to get out and about. Uh, the 32nd Nationality and Intercultural Exchange Program Holiday Open House, noon to 4 o'clock Sunday at the... Um, Pitt Campus. Mm-hmm. The Heritage Rooms are open and they are free of charge. Listen, that is such a fun thing to do. Yeah. If you've never done the Nationality Rooms, you just have to do it. Go out there. Oh, it's just, it's really wonderful. Yep. There is also a uh, guided walking live nativity on the campus at St. Francis University. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, join the St. Francis University's community on campus for a journey to Bethlehem, a guided walking live nativity. Uh, it is this evening. It uh, is is the special event in celebration of the 800th anniversary of St. Francis portraying the first ever nativity scene in uh, at Greco. Four performances of the journey Mary and Joseph took to Bethlehem in this lati- living nativity will be performed by the St. Francis University community this evening, as I said, from 7 to 8.30 and uh, at various days throughout the Christmas season. That'd be super cool to see, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, let me see, there is a Delmont Christmas pilgrimage. Uh, Delmont, Pennsylvania, experienced the love of Jesus. The Delmont Christmas pilgrimage scheduled for Saturday, December 2nd, Sunday, December 3rd. A brand new child-friendly pilgrimage junior event the afternoon of December the 2nd. It uh, starts at Shields Farm Historic Log Cabin. And upon stepping outside, you walk the field and encounter eight live-action scenes portraying the Christmas story. Hmm. Uh, live animals, dramatic music, lighting abound at this unforgettable event, Delmont Christmas Pilgrimage. That's fun. Yeah. And let me see. Uh, there's also, I have a Christmas play, which is uh, called One Voice, the annual Christmas play. And uh, that is in Swiss Helm Park. It's uh, presented by the Swiss Helm Park Primitive Methodist Church, Saturday, December 2nd at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 3rd at 7 p.m. The event is free. Terrific. Yeah, to go out and about. 
In our first hour of uh, today's program, we talked about the best Christmas movies, according to polls, but then we also shared our own. Um, But Lex, I feel like I want to add a couple to the list. Um, So the list I shared earlier included, of course, Charlie Brown at the top. Yes, for uh, traditional it, fare. Uh, of course, I love uh, Elf. I love White Christmas, mm-hmm. Miracle on 34th Street. Um, I had to add Doctor Who Christmas, mm-hmm. particularly the one about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, sure. is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, and the American Girl movies, particularly Felicity, but also Samantha and Molly, are so, so, so good. And then, of course, we landed on the Santa Claus is Coming to Town, mm-hmm. Year Without a Santa Claus, Rudolph, those ones. But uh, Lexi brought up Barbie Nutcracker. A very good one. Barbie Nutcracker. It's so good. It's so good. Really? Barbie Nutcracker is very good. Also, I want to add some historical ones that I thought of that like Christmas takes place in them. Great. But I wouldn't call them Christmas movies. Kind of like Die Hard and Home Alone. Sure. The Shop Around the Corner. With Jimmy oh, Stewart. that's a great film. How about that? I don't remember the woman who was in that, though. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, 1940. Excellent film. Um, also, Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, Judy, Judy Garland. Garland, because that's where Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas comes from. Right, right. Right? I don't remember what year that was. Early 40s. There are Christmas parades in that film. Easter Parade. Easter Parade. That's, a, that's a different movie. Oh, right. Sorry. But I always get them Strike confused. That. I always get them confused. Um and While You Were Sleeping, which is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time, Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman has the funniest <laughs> Christmas scene. It is really, really, really great. Are there any other ones that jumped out at you, Lex, hmm. that you've thought of since then? Anything out there that, uh, because, you know, I, I mean, all the films that Hallmark has, they've got to have like a couple t- couple or so that are good, right? I would think so. Right? I mean, I, I feel like... Since you've never seen a Hallmark movie, I've not. Sorry. And I've never seen a Hallmark movie. And I don't mean to be Maybe, snooty. I don't mean to be snooty either. Maybe we should just watch a Hallmark Maybe movie. Maybe so. Just surrender to it. Anyway, hey, thanks for being with us. Have yourself a great weekend. Go out and enjoy the town. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.